For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness, and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. The phrase that I want to highlight and underline from that, those two verses that I just read is, do not pronounce judgment before the time. Do not pronounce judgment before the time. Um, it's a sad fact of human nature that we, we love judging, right? Kind of a, in every sphere of life, we love TV shows where people get judged. We love noticing when someone has failed at some achievement that we have attained. When we hear of the sins of others, how quickly do we judge ourselves as better than them? We also judge ourselves, uh, assuming, sort of assuring ourselves, you know, with things like, well, I, I'm a good person. Right? We judge ourselves. We, we, we long to sort of pass a, a moral sentence over ourselves. When we encounter different things in the church here and other denominations, we, we're judging according to what we think is right and wrong. In some, contrary to the clear command we have this morning, we love pronouncing judgment. The problem with this, of course, is that um, we aren't the judge, right? God is the judge. So when we do presume to pronounce judgment, what's really at play is we are pretending to be God. It's as old as the sin of Adam in the garden. By allowing ourselves to be the judge, we're not leaving judgment to the actual judge himself. So that's why St. Paul is commanding us, the church, do not pronounce judgment before the Lord comes. Um, when Jesus comes again, and, and it could be any day, right? The Lord says, be alert, be watchful, because it could be any day. Any day now, it could be today. One of the exercises I try and sort of discipline my own heart with is every time we gather together to worship, to think, what if this was the last time we did this before the Lord comes again? as a way of sort of quickening that whereas the flesh would want to pull my heart towards this sort of lazy, slovenly, like trudging through the liturgy, to remember, what if the Lord came back right now? How happy if he found us worshiping him with a whole heart, perfectly ready to receive him, in fact. When he comes again, um, the scripture tells us he will judge everything, right? Not just the outward deeds, not just the stuff that we're aware of, but as it says in the verse, the purposes of the heart things that are hidden in darkness that no other human being knows, that we don't even try and look at ourselves very much, he will disclose, he will bring to light on that great day. And it's because we're assured that he will be the judge that we're let off the hook. We don't have to play judge, right? Not only do we, are we commanded not to, we know that we have, there's a certain freedom in knowing, no, no, he's going to be the judge. So I want to um, unpack this in, in the two directions that the scripture um, applies this teaching. 
that we shouldn't judge others, and we also shouldn't judge ourselves. So those are the two things I want to look at together. Firstly, regarding um, judging others, uh, first of all, we should just take this at face value for the command that it is. Don't judge others. (laughs) This is actually God speaking again, like in his condescension, recognizing that this is going to be a really tough one for us. Um, This is the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul, the same thing that Jesus taught, right? Famously in Matthew chapter 6, judge not, finish the verse, lest you be judged. Jesus said, don't judge. Paul is reaffirming, don't judge. And when it says don't judge, I think the definition I'd sort of, working definition I'd offer is, is passing moral sentence after examining. Right? So I might want to make a distinction there between sort of passing a moral sentence, which we're forbidden to do, versus examining, right? Discerning as a Christian what is good and what is evil is right. In fact, Isaiah the prophet actually says, woe to him who says about what is good, it's evil, or about what is evil, oh, it's good. Right? It's important to examine and discern rightly, but that's exactly where we have to stop. And this is the great discipline. It's very difficult to say, yeah, that's bad, and then, and then stop. Stop the assessment, right? Think about a court of law. That it's, don't go to the next step of dropping the gavel and, and laying down a sentence. I've never been in a court, but I think they drop a gavel. Our, our lawyers could tell us. I don't know. No, they don't do that. That's just in TV shows. <laughs> Dang it. I should have checked with you beforehand. Um, well, gavel aside, to take in the data, that's fine. To assess for your own heart, but then not to judge the other person. That's the crucial piece to stop. I love, um, it's a, a Christian maxim, what we have here in First Corinthians 4, this sort of enigmatic phrase when Paul says, don't go beyond what's written. Right? It's one of these sort of disciplines of the Christian life to say, okay, I'll go here, and then the scripture says, stop, okay, I won't go there. Right? To not just intuitively leap to what's next in our own minds. Scripture says, discern wisely, evaluate good and evil, but it also says, don't judge other people. Um, as well as being a command, this also makes a lot of sense, right? As I think life experience bears out more and more, we never are in the position to know all the facts about something. We'll, which means, without all the facts, we'll always be judging wrong. Who's the only person who has all the facts? Right? Therefore, his judgment is just. So often, so often, what we think is really good is often not quite as good as we would judge it to be. And what we think is really just the darkest evil can be, when fully understood in light of all the facts, maybe actually no more evil than the worst thing I've done. In fact, probably isn't. We're not to judge. We don't have all the facts. The, um, the same God who gives us the Ten Commandments, which I love rehearsing in Advent and in Lent, how we have that as a portion of our liturgy, just to remind us of that clear call of the law. Like, these are the clearest moral commandments of God from which the rest of God's law can be understood. The same God who gives those commandments also says, don't judge. And one of the uh, a wise saint in the fourth century said, um, even if you see your brother or sister committing adultery, if you judge him or her in your heart, you're breaking the same law of the God who said don't commit adultery. Right? It's equally displeasing to the Father to judge as to break any of the Ten Commandments. And when I say judge, I don't just mean sort of outwardly with the lips, but even in the heart. Right? Whether it's lips or heart, it doesn't matter. You, if being part of the human condition, I know you know these phrases. 
Can you believe they did that? I wouldn't do that. How wicked, right? These thoughts of moral superiority and comparison. That's what the Bible this morning is saying as a church. We just need to not do that with God's help. We must not judge others. We need to trust Jesus to do that in his good time. So, so much for others. Uh, I want to then look at what this means for not judging ourselves, right? Paul says in verse 3, I don't even judge myself. Now, when we hear this phrase, don't judge yourself, I think in our world today, it's kind of this worldly maxim to say in, that, in a positive light, like, you know, don't judge yourself, just be who you are, right? That sort of kind of pseudo-hippie kind of thing. Um, that's not the message of the scripture here. It's not saying, don't judge yourself, don't judge yourself negatively. Paul's actually saying, don't judge yourself positively. Don't judge yourself as being innocent, right? Paul is saying in verse 4 here, look, he says, my conscience is clear. Conscience is clear. But that doesn't mean in objective reality that I'd be found not guilty. He's saying, my conscience is not the best guide for these things. Only God can be the judge. I don't even have all the facts on myself. Right? And that's something that, again, borne out in experience in relationships. How many times we find, oh man, that was at play. I didn't even realize until days or weeks or years after the fact. So Paul is saying, I, I don't even judge myself. And part of this is, of course, um, Jesus, when he taught, what built into this is Jesus' teaching that, of the, the log and the speck. Right, that we have logs in our own eye and specks in other people's eyes. So we, we think, oh, no, no, my vision is clear. And, and it's not. <laughs> That's why we, we aren't even to presume to judge ourselves. Um, it's for Jesus to judge us. That's what Paul says. I don't even judge myself. It's the Lord who, who judges me. And I think it's sort of one of the, in the same way our flesh is tempted to judge other people, we want to sort of lock down things now. We're tempted in our flesh to sort of judge ourselves positively. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I'm going to heaven. It's certain. I, 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 let me judge myself right now. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm a wholehearted Christian and I'm going to heaven. The heart of that could be motivated rightly by a sort of great joy and confidence in the promises of God. But to leap to pronounce the judgment is to presume where God tells us not to go. For two reasons. Um, the time for the sentence, welcome to heaven, isn't yet, right? It's when the Lord comes again or when we meet him when we die. One way or another, we're going to come before the sentencing seat of Jesus. And on that day, we don't have to say about ourselves, oh yes, I'm going to heaven. We wait to hear it from the Lord, right? The, we wait to hear the merciful judgment of the Lord who says, welcome, <laughs> welcome. Come to the place that I've prepared for you before all time was created. Come and enjoy the bliss of paradise here with my Father. We wait for him to judge us. We don't sort of jump ahead of it at the time and, and out of place and say, no, I, I judge myself, that's where I'm going. We say, no, Lord, um, you are a judge. And that's part of why. This took me a few years to learn. I, I was, for many years I, said, I thought, why are we always praying, Lord, have mercy in church? Like, why don't we just pray it once and then just look for his mercy? Because we, so, we can be so confident in his kind character. And the answer is because we don't presume to judge. We keep asking for mercy. We keep imploring the Lord for his forgiveness and his kindness because judgment hasn't happened yet. Right? We're still sort of 
continually approaching him and entreating him in a posture of, Lord, you're the judge. You're going to pass the judgment. Please have mercy. Right? That's why we are constantly praying for mercy in the church. Yeah, um, I think it speaks to the confidence we can have right, as Christians for when we're looking for the day of the Lord to come, as well as this sort of sense of uh, maybe even dread, right, when these sort of strong words, when it says, the scripture says, he will bring to light things hidden in darkness and disclose the purposes of the heart. It says just a verse later, then each one will receive his commendation from God. Right? We're expecting the positive judgment, the, the welcome into paradise. Because of the mercy of the Lord that we know through the offering of his son on the cross, through the free forgiveness, the free grace that he has made available to us now through the work of his son. We, we can look for commendation, but again, it's that examining and sort of having every hope, that's why we talk about Christian hope, but not going that next step further into judgment. Paul himself wouldn't presume to say that everyone will receive a positive commendation. Right? It's not for him to judge. That's up to the Lord. We shouldn't judge others, and we shouldn't judge ourselves. We have hope for favorable judgment, but we look to the real judge. One last thing on that. I think it is important in sort of thinking about the judgment seat of Christ, I mean these heavy things, that we are able to say with St. Paul when he says, um, he says, I'm not aware of anything against myself. Does that mean Paul is not aware of any sins? No, right? This is the same St. Paul who would write to Timothy, I'm the chief of sinners. Right? He's not saying, I've never sinned, isn't that great? What he's saying is, I'm not aware of anything that I'm consciously, willfully engaging in and that I'm not seeking to repent from. Right? That's, that's the catalyst, that's the sort of miracle of Christian existence is that simple concept of repentance. Most of us have not done less wicked deeds than your average worldly pagan. The difference is, is that we are saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry for that. And therefore our conscience is clear. Right? That's what Paul is saying. I'm not aware of anything. Everything I'm aware of, everything the Holy Spirit has shone light on through conscience, through the hearing of his holy word, Right, I love, it's one of the best collects in the prayer book, the one we have today. Right? Grant us sort of hear, read, mark, and inwardly digest the scriptures. Because when we do that, the scriptures shine light on things we need to repent of. But we need to be uh, repenting of what, what, what the Lord has shone light on. So we can say, my conscience is clear. And that's why then we can have great hope about the judgment day. That it's not just one of terror of what's going to happen when the Lord comes again. It's like, no. The Holy Spirit has shone light on things. I have repented and I am repenting of them. Lord, you could say with St. Paul at the end of this letter, he says, come Lord quickly. Right? Come again quickly. Because there's joy in it as well. And that's where we're going to see the shift in Advent. Starting with next Sunday, we sort of shift from the sort of dread of Judgment Day to the joy of Judgment Day and, and the joy that we have in Christ's first coming in Christmas. It's part of the delight of that joy is being able to come before God with a clear conscience in the present. And even apart from the question of conscience, to leave to the judge all judgments of ourselves and others. Amen.